Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. This is the GM Shuffle. When the confetti had just reached the grass... Uh, and before Bradshaw handed the trophy to Clark Hunt, everybody in the league said to themselves, well, we're back to 0-0. They all have a chance. So now we're in that whole, we can get this done mode. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos, like he is each and every episode. Michael, this is our first uh, off-season episode, buddy. Thursdays yeah. has been when we've been previewing the upcoming games for the weekend. Now there's no more games until August, at least with the preseason. But uh, how's the offseason treating you so far? I don't even know what an offseason. There's no offseason <laughs> in the NFL. It goes from one to the other. I mean, you know, like I, I say this, I wrote this column today for VEASAN. Uh, when the confetti had just reached the grass uh, and before Bradshaw handed the trophy to Clark Hunt, everybody in the league said to themselves, well, we're back to 0-0. They all have a chance. So now we're in that whole, we can get this done mode. So we'll see how that works out and, and move forward. I mean, look, this is going to be a fascinating offseason. And with the quarterback shuffling, the movement, it, it and how teams build, how they look at the Eagles, how they looked at the Chiefs. I mean, Mahomes saying, you know, this was our rebuilding year. I mean, when you have Patrick Mahomes, are you really ever rebuilding? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, that, you know, come on. <laughs> yeah, it was a hell of a season for the Kansas City Chiefs. Once again, congratulations to them winning their second Super Bowl in four years. But you mentioned teams now starting to reset the decks, and we saw that happen here in Las Vegas with the Raiders. They officially released Derek Carr. We've been talking about this kind of being something that's going to come down the pike here, and it finally does. Carr leaves as the franchise's all-time leader in yards, completions, and touchdowns. Also, though, in 2022, he had the third highest interception rate and the second lowest red zone completion percentage per ESPN stats and info. Now that Carr is on the open market here, which team do you think is best suited to bring on Derek Carr? We have the odds from another sports book, and they have the market up of where will Derek Carr play next. The Carolina Panthers are actually the favorite at plus 140, the Saints plus 150, Jets plus 275, then a the big drop off to the Buccaneers at 8-1, to one, Commanders and Patriots at 14-1. to one. Uh, Where would you put your money if you had to bet it? I would scratch the Patriots off that. I don't think they would be interested in Carr. Not because they, they're they not competing for Mac Jones, but that I don't think Carr fits that program. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, I, I would say the, the Panthers, you know, Carr is, I mean, the Panthers are a very Christian-based team right now. I mean, Frank Reich is very Christian. Jim Caldwell, there's a lot of people within that, not that there's anything wrong with it, I'm not mm-hmm. suggesting this whatsoever, it's just very, you know, like Frank Wright doesn't even curse, can you imagine if we had him on this podcast, he doesn't even curse, I don't know how you live through, it's like, it's like not drinking, I mean, it's hard, right, you know, I mean, I mean it's hard, you know, as Dean Martin says, when you wake up content. in the morning, that's the best you're going to feel all day, huh? <laughs> It's explicit content, the GM shuffle. So I don't know if Frank Reich is listening to us. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know how the hell you get through life without dropping a few F-bombs. I mean, jeez. So, but anyway, uh, and, and Carr's that, too. Carr fits that kind of mold understanding. And mm-hmm. look, they have a good, The James Camp and the line coach have done a really good job. They didn't, they, they have good protection. 
They can run the ball. Carr's got to go somewhere with a good line and protection. But I think this whole releasing thing has a lot to do with nobody having a willingness or a tolerance to pay that contract. Mm. You know, Carr can frame it any way he wants. Well, I wanted to get out of there. You know, I I didn't want to get traded. I wanted to be – the reason you want to set your own market is two things. You either think somebody's going to pay more than 40 a year. He had 40 million coming to him for the next three years. That's 120. So if you think somebody's out there who's willing to pay you more than that and you could get into some competition, then why wouldn't you just go ahead, right? Mm-hmm. But if you think nobody's willing to pay that based on he spent two days in New Orleans, then maybe you just say to yourself, look, let's see what our market value really is. They'll frame it any way they want. I mean, one thing about Carr, he's got a good PR machine. He could frame it. But it'll be interesting to see the contract, who wanted to pay for it and who didn't. Yeah, I think that's going to be the interesting part of this. So, Carr, on the open market, you think Carolina would be a good fit? We've already seen the New Orleans Saints players campaigning, one in particular, Cam Jordan, their star defensive lineman. He had the Photoshop of Derek Carr in a Saints jersey and had the caption of, hmm. So, Cam Jordan wants another quarterback. Maybe Derek Carr could be that guy. It feels like the NFC South. However, maybe the New York Jets would get into this conversation if they're not able to lock down an Aaron Rodgers. I think the interesting part with the Carr is because he's tied to the hip of Rodgers and kind of these quarterback dominoes. Does he wait for Rodgers to kind of make his decision and do teams wait for Rodgers to make his decision before exploring Derek Carr as a potential next quarterback? Well, I think, you know, this is a little bit like shopping, right? So, you know, you know you need a pair of shoes, but what kind do you need? Are you going to buy the real expensive pair or are you going to buy the cheaper pair? And a lot of it is price price determined. So, you know, if you know you're going to go, if you're if you're going to wait on Rodgers, you know that's going to be a, a, a an expensive expensive proposition. Mm-hmm. Maybe car will be less. So what I think people lose sight of in this free agency is, that a lot of teams are just basically checking prices. They don't really have interest. They're checking prices. And so when you check prices, what's it going to cost to get Carr as opposed to what's it going to cost to get Rodgers plus compensation? See, there's more than just I want the player. The fans just want the player. Mm-hmm. They don't deal with the cost or the, or the trade thing. So they just say, okay, give me the player. Whereas you've got to measure that. And so as a general manager, you're a little bit like a short order cook right now. You got you know, you got shit cooking on one side, you got other things. You gotta work all three areas. Plus, you know you're in competition with other teams. So it's really you gotta be a balancing act and you gotta be disciplined to say, hey, I'm willing to spend X for here. If I don't get X, I'm going to Y. If I don't get Y, I'm going to Z. And if I don't get that, I'm coming here. But I'm gonna get somebody. You gotta have a lot of balls in the air. And I think that's kind of what we saw last year with the amount of teams saying, all right, like there's these guys that are all available, whether it was potentially Rodgers, Russell Wilson was available via trade. There were so many quarterbacks that were shuffling around Tom Brady, then all of a sudden returns uh, from retirement. Watson was available as well in the open market. So there was I mean, not one the open market, but why, via trade, sorry, via trade but, for Watson. But think about this. One of the reasons why Carolina didn't go all in on signing Hassan Riddick, which they should have, was mm-hmm. they needed to save money for Watson. Okay. So they need to save money for Watson because they, they were going to be in the Watson thing. So they didn't want to go and spend for Riddick, even though they could have, you know, now looking mm-hmm. back on it, they should have, you know, if they would have had Riddick alongside of Burns, oh my they might have made the playoffs, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so think about that. Just that little bit right there, that decision to hold back 
and then come out empty-handed cost you a blue-chip defensive rusher. So that's what you got to be really careful about. You got to almost say, okay, you know, how this works and the timing is hard. You know, Carolina easily could have paid Riddick. I mean, he, Matt Rule was his coach. He would have mm-hmm. stayed there. I mean, the Eagles made a great deal, don't get me wrong, but the, the, the Panthers could have matched the deal. Yeah. No, but when you're earmarking money for a potential mega extension for a quarterback, that's kind of the predicament that you find yourself in. If you were a general manager, though, so would you wait for Rodgers to kind of figure out what he's doing before pursuing? I mean, obviously you're working these things at the same time. No, I'd work them all. I, I'd, I'd work them all. I'd find out, you know, I would okay. tell Carr, we're interested. Here's where we are. Where are you financially? You know, I would call. I would be involved with everybody because the more people you're involved with, the less people know what you're doing. Mm. because you're going to get Palacero, Rappaport, everybody's going to report to help their Twitter feed that, hey, I hear like the, the, you know, the news, this is going. When it, you and I often talk about it, that's not news. We've known about that for weeks, right? Yeah. So we, we know that's what's going to happen. So the more, you, the more f- lines you throw into the water, nobody really knows what you're doing. And that's a really good way to put that. So we will see what happens. And obviously we'll have a lot of time to talk about Derek Carr. I mean, free agency doesn't start for another month here. So I'm sure he'll make his decisions. We'll find out what Aaron Rodgers decides when he comes out of the darkness retreat that he's currently in. I think he comes out later this evening or maybe tomorrow morning. I'm not sure, Michael, if you've checked on Rodgers and seen what's going on in that darkness retreat or what goes into said retreat. But uh, it's going to be a really, really fun offseason with these quarterbacks changing teams. We think, at least on Rodgers' front, we know on the Derek Carr front. Uh, we talked about it on Monday, but to make it official, the Eagles lose their their coordinators, offensive and defensive. Shane Steichen hired by the Indianapolis Colts, 37 years old. And this is an, a hire where it's an, obviously an offensive mind with Shane Steichen and what he can potentially do with a quarterback here. Uh, but we talked about and raised some concerns about how maybe this isn't the best fit for what Steichen needs, given the fact that they've already attached him to a defensive coordinator and also a special teams coordinator already in place. Like, this is kind of the contractor thing that you always talk about. Yeah, they, they definitely went subcontractor. They, they like Bradley. The, the whole organization liked Bradley. You know, even though he gave – I mean, Saturday takes the heat for the blown lead, you know, again uh, for, for not keeping the lead, but – Mm-hmm. You know, that was their defense out there on the field, too. You know, Bradley's a very likable guy. He's very good. He's got great energy. You know, he's a, a guy that fits in he, into the building. His scheme is easy for a personnel guy to find players to fit into. It's not a complex scheme. Young guys can play. So that's kind of what it is. And and so I think they had that. Bubba Ventrone's a really good special teams coach. I mean, like keeping him made – made all the sense of the way you're not going to get a better special teams coach than that guy mm-hmm. so then with that you know now you need somebody and i think this is more about who can steichen pick the quarterback and develop him right yep. i'm not sure steichen picked hurts I, I think actually jeffrey laurie picked hurts i think he was the impetus behind it all i think he really liked hurts uh and I'm not saying call. other people didn't. <laughs> I'm not trying to criticize anyone here, but I'm saying I, that's my understanding. And because of that, you know, I, I think, you know, now, look, they, he developed them. And so by developing them, I think that's where he got this job. Because if you're Chris Ballard, you're saying, look, I've missed on the quarterback. Now, he's had a quarterback guru in there. He's had Frank Wright, mm-hmm. and Frank Wright's missed on it three times. You know, he missed Rivers. wasn't really a miss, but it was. You know, went, you know, then Wentz and Ryan. So, you know, I think this is what it's for. 
and it keeps you kind of, okay, we're not that bad of a team. If we fix the quarterback position, we could be one of those teams that go from, you know, the fifth pick of the draft to making the playoffs. Steichen was introduced to the media earlier this week, and he was there alongside the general manager, Chris Ballard, the owner, Jim Ursay, and they were asked about kind of the quarterback development and all that stuff leading into this draft. Well, here's what Jim Ursay had to say when uh, the topic of QBs and the draft came up. We're not hiding, you know, no one can shy away from the fact what quarterback means in this league and how we have to look going forward where, where Shane and Chris really you know, dig into this draft and really see where you're at. Do you stay put? Do you trade up? You know, there, there's many things you can do. Uh, they took Jalen in the second round. So, trade um, back. yeah, trade back. So, um, he likes that'll picks. Be a, that'll be a Twitter freaking quote. <laughs> he, he likes picks. Uh, 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 although the Alabama guy doesn't look bad, I tell you. Um, but, uh, uh, it'll be it'll be exciting, and I think that shows um, that we have talent here. Those games, so we're looking forward um, to Shane really coming in and utilizing that talent. Ah, oh, is uh, is Ursay there kind of giving away the plot here a little bit? Ballard had to jump in and say trade back. <laughs> I mean, Ursay yeah. wants to get aggressive. I, he I, wants think, his I, guy. I think that's what. I think that's what they'll do. I mean, look, this it's too early, right? So mm-hmm. we're right now we're February the 16th. So, yep. you know, the, the the scouts are kind of putting together their board and the coaches haven't gotten involved. They'll start this week. You know, coaches are on free agency this week and then they start on the draft. Once that happens, you know, like you take Anthony Richardson, somebody's going to have to say to a personnel guy, I'm willing to work with Richardson. I, I can make him a good player. And Richardson's going to have to prove to people that he's got the ability to work hard. I mean, what separates Hurts from all these other guys who haven't been able to transition or Josh Allen is their work habits. They improve their accuracy through their work habits. So that's where Richardson's going to have to do a really good job of proving that. So I think it's way too early. I think it's, you know, look, I still think if you have any team that has a grading system is going to have a hard time moving, moving young up that high unless they just decide, okay, we're going to give away, we're not going to worry about our system. We'll see. Yeah, that's the interesting part about this because Bryce Young, he's a former Heisman Trophy winner, and when you watch him at Alabama, he was awesome, and you could see how somebody would fall in love with what Bryce Young can do, but also from a size standpoint and the measurable standpoint, he is kind of the exception to the rule, and I actually just saw this tweet from the 33rd team on their Twitter account. I'll give them a shout out, and it's a quote from Bill Parcells, the former Hall of Fame head coach, who we talk about a lot here on this pod, and he said, quote, Tom Landry told me one time, Bill, if you start drafting exceptions, pretty soon you're going to have a team full of exceptions. I mean, I've used that line too. I mean, that's that that's exactly – and Coach Parcells is getting it right exactly from there. So why did Landry tell that to Parcells? Well, because the Landry grading system, the one that really was instrumental in my life – when I learned it, when I first started working with the 49ers in 1984, we had I, the uh, our offices were in this room, and behind the, it was this really small building, and there was a little kitchen, and before but you had to walk into this office to get into the kitchen, and then behind the kitchen was this room just filled with bookshelves, and all those bookshelves were all the college reports from years and years gone back. Mm-hmm. You could go back as far as they were writing them, and they were all done by year. And so what I would do as a young scout, I would read those reports 
and I learned the cowboy grading system, which was designed by Gil Brandt. Mm-hmm. It was also with Landry and the United States Army. And so what they did was they they put letter grades on players. So like a I player was clean. That meant that that player had size and speed for the position. And if he didn't have that, then he got another letter. And there was all sorts of lettering systems. And so when you took a player who was undersized and, and tried to move him up the board, the system wouldn't let you do it. It prevented you from doing it. You, uh, scouts in Cleveland used to bitch to me all the time. I, 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 this guy's better than a 62. We can't make him a We got to make him better than a 62. It doesn't fit the profile. That's scouting inside out, not outside in. It mm-hmm. See, scouting is about elimination. It's not about finding. So when you eliminate certain people that don't meet the criteria, you got to do it. Now, there are exceptions. You know, mm-hmm. there are guy, there are guy, Barry Sanders who doesn't meet the height requirement. He could be, you know, there's, but they're one every four years. They're not, they're not at all exceptions. And that's what Coach Parcells is talking about. I mean, see, Parcells got, he got that system, that Cowboys system, when he went to New York with George Young, who ended up taking it, kind of modifying it. So all those systems. So I was reading Cowboy reports uh, that had the system, and the Giants had their system based on size and speed, which was similar to that. And I wrote about it in my book, Bucko Kilroy, the former Cowboy Scout, former Patriot uh, personnel guy, Hall of Fame. He's not in the Hall of Fame. He should be. But it was a player, all-decade team player. He kind of helped develop that system. And that really has has helped move and transposed it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's really uh, an interesting part about scouting, about how you have these sort of frameworks. And we talk about teams having certain types that they like. Hey, we like this kind of cornerback. We like this kind of offensive tackle. Here's our thresholds. And we'll get into that even in more detail once we get closer to draft season here. But the Colts, with Shane Steichen, they do have a head coach that's worked with different types of quarterbacks. He's worked with Jalen Hurts. He's worked with Justin Herbert. So I think that kind of opens things up for them because uh, they need a quarterback at the top of the draft. And maybe they end up moving up to number one. Or maybe they trade back, like Chris Ballard says, and get a bunch of draft picks. But I don't think Colts fans would, uh, be, would appreciate trading back with all the QBs that we have in this draft. I can't wait to get into these. You mentioned Anthony Richardson. I've already seen the clips surfacing around on Twitter. My goodness, man. It, it matches what you see on the team. Like, I get his stats weren't good, but the talent is just ridiculous of what that kid can do. If somebody can harness that, they might have a big-time quarterback on their hands. Uh, so Steichen now goes to Indianapolis, and we hear that Jonathan Gannon has been hired by the Arizona Cardinals, 40-year-old former defensive coordinator of the Eagles. And we we, we really went in on, on Gannon on Monday about his game plan in the Super Bowl, and I think rightfully so. But there's clearly something that people around the league like about Jonathan Gannon. Last year, he was really popular with the head coaching interviews, got deep into the process with the Houston Texans. This year, he made the rounds as well before settling on the Arizona Cardinals. What is it about Gannon behind the closed doors that people really like uh, about him as maybe as a leader and a, and a cultivator uh, of culture? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know him. You know, I only watch the tape, and there are a lot of people I respect in the league really like him. As I said, I think I said it on the show, but I think he was going to get the he was going to get the uh, uh, the Houston job if D'Amico Ryan's would have taken another job. So mm-hmm. he was really well liked. I mean, there's no denying that he's very well liked within it. I guess he must interview really well. You know, he's smart. Uh, he, I guess he has a plan. He understands what he wants to do from that plan and move forward. So for me, I, I think ultimately he must be very impressive in the interview. I don't know when watching the tape, you know, if you could sit there. Like I said to somebody in the league, did Mahomes have a hard throw the whole day? 
Now, you know, you watch that tape, and it's not easy because guys are slipping and sliding. I get it. Mm-hmm. They're all over the place, right? So it was hard to get get footwork and really rush the passer. I mean, the only time you really could get pressure on them is when you just powered the pocket back. I mean, that's what Philly should have just done. She said, no more stunts. We're not running stunts anymore. We're just going to power this pocket back because we're slipping all over the place and we can't get our footing. But, I mean, I think he obviously must interview really well. It's going to be interesting to see how he handles the offense, how he handles the meeting, you know? I mean, look, Mike Vrabel wasn't a great defense coordinator at Houston. Yeah. He's a great head coach. Yeah, maybe maybe that's kind of the the model here for for Jonathan Gannon. And you don't have to be an X's and O's guy to be a really good head coach as long as you can command the respect of everybody in the room and you know what you're doing and you understand situational football, it can really work out. Uh, the, the thing, though, that is uh, interesting with Gannon, though, is that now he has this situation where the quarterback is injured, Kyler Murray. And I'm not sure if you saw the video on social media. Uh, he's already met Kyler Murray. They were showing him uh, over in, the, I think, the, the, the weight room. Kyler has already begun his rehab there with the knee injury. He said he's excited to work with Kyler Maria. How does he kind of get the mayor back on track and get this Cardinals team back on track in 2023? Well, I think he's got to hold them accountable. He's got to say, look, we, we start a new slate. You know, uh, uh, I've been reading this book called The Earned Life. And in The Earned Life, uh, it talks about this CEO who basically spent so much time, you know, with his family that he lost his his kids growing up. And then as he became a grandfather, he kind of reconnected and became more. And and the wife would constantly complain to him, you know, you really missed your kids. And he would then say, you know, look, I'm not the same person I was. I I think you got to tell Murray that you got, you can't be the same person you were. You got to change. This is a new regime. This is a new era. This is something that's going to have to change for you because if you don't change, we can't win. You know, it's the old Belichick. We've done it your way. It doesn't work. We're going to do it my way now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what he's got to do. And he's got to be firm, and he's got to have the backing of the owner. I mean, because the contract's going to be in front of him the whole time, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to honor it. You know, look, he's going to be hurt. They're not going to rush him back on the field. They're going to be extra careful, and they're going to go get a quarterback, whomever it is, to kind of bridge the gap, whether it's Senator McCoy or whether it's someone else. <laughs> Senator McCoy, I do. I like that. I could be a politician with the way he's been around the league and for how long. I told him that I I did an interview with him at the Super Bowl with him and Danny Cannell and Dusty Dustin. I I forget his last name, but the former Oklahoma player, you know, Uh, 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 Dusty uh, Dvorak. Dvorak. Yeah. And so. Yeah, Dusty wanted to see what Albert Davis have drafted me. Oh, fuck. No, No, you were too slow. There's no way. There's no way. I I can't have that. I'm sure Super Bowl Radio Row was a lot of fun there. It'll be here in Las Vegas. Yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, you're going, you're you're like, like you're in a a meat market. I felt like, you know, it's like the old Upton Sinclair line, you know, life for all its glory and, and, and desires. It's not so good for the, for the, for the person or the hawk. I mean, either way, you know, it's, it's like the combine, but for media people, you're interviewing with all the teams, you're interviewing with with all the, uh, with all the affiliates. (laughs) That's what what it's like for media folks. Uh, Michael, let's take our first break and we'll continue continue this conversation but from the Philadelphia Eagles side after they lost both of their coordinators this is the GM shuffle 
The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, let's do our final exit interview of the season. The Philadelphia Eagles, <laughs> NFC champions. They come up short in the Super Bowl 38-35 to lose to the Kansas City Chiefs. And a big offseason ahead of the Philadelphia Eagles. We detailed in the last segment how they have lost both of their coordinators, Jonathan Gannon to the Arizona Cardinals, Shane Steichen to the Indianapolis Colts. And let's start there because how, how big of an impact is that, having to replace your two uh, coordinators from a team that made it all the way to the Super Bowl? Well, I mean, obviously it's hard. I mean, Steichen was calling the plays, and you know, the Seriani's still there, so he's going to have continuity. Mm-hmm. They promoted the quarterback coach from within. I mean, you kind of had to knew this was going. I'm sure Seriani will take a deeper role. It's going to be interesting to see where they go defensive coordinator. You know, uh, had, had this happened two weeks earlier, I think they would have hired Vic Fangio, who was, you know, Vic was helping the defense, but he was really helping the offense in that kind of counterintelligence program, you know, where, you know, a lot of offensive coaches don't understand the defense. Mm-hmm. They understand the scheme. They don't understand why the scheme's there. They don't understand the nuances of the scheme. And that's what, you know, great coaches of off. That's why Landry was a great offensive mind. He coached defense. I mean, remember Landry's the guy that put the flex in. He was a defense coordinator for the Giants mm-hmm. when he was when, he, when Lombardi was the offensive coordinator. But yet he called plays in Dallas when he got there. You know that whole notion. Well, you coach defense, you can't. Uh, you know, if you understand it, you can. Now sometimes it don't work out. You know, obviously with Patricia it didn't. Yeah. With, with with Juan Castillo it didn't. There are. And so when you learn it from that standpoint, it helps. I don't think, I think it'll be fascinating to see who they go to defensively. I think they need to, look, I think this is, they need to get out of where they are in terms of when you watch that tape and they try to play man in that game, it wasn't very good. You know, it was not very good. And when they played zone, you know, if the rush wasn't getting there, it wasn't very good. Their back seven, you know, got exposed because their front was the deodorant to cover up everything. And like I said earlier, you know, when they were running stunts, they fell down, they slipped, they were, you know, it was, it, but the receivers were slipping too. So don't, it wasn't a, you know, it was a slip affair for everybody. But I, I think to me, if I were them, I would want to find somebody from the Martindale school or from the little bit more aggressiveness. Because the one thing is with Spagnola on defense, look, Spagnola gets bailed out by his offense. 
But in fairness to Steve, he's just trying to create a negative play because he knows if he gets the ball back to his offense, they're going to score. But if he lets them work it down the field like they did, and he lets them have that ability to convert third downs at the pace the Eagles were current, that limits the amount of time. I mean, Cincinnati's won three games because Cincinnati's controlled the football. Mm-hmm. And Steve couldn't create a negative play, right? And even in the last game, they were controlling the football. So to me, if I'm Philly, I want to get somebody with some aggressiveness to get the ball back to my offense to let them so we could win the game with the offense. I'm not looking for somebody to be number one in yards allowed. I'm looking for somebody to be number one in turnovers created. Yeah, force the issue, I think, is what you want to do when you have a really good offense like the Eagles have because the best chance to win is to have the ball in Jalen Hurts in that offense's hands and go down the field and score points. This is the Eagles. They're becoming the first team since the 1994 San Francisco 49ers to have to replace both offensive and defensive coordinators and losing them to head coaching positions. Uh, Mike Shanahan that year went on to be the Denver Broncos head coach. Ray Rhodes went on to be the Philadelphia Eagles head coach. Both of them coordinators of that 94 Niners team. That's one of the better teams that we've seen over the last 30, 35 years, won the Super Bowl over the Chargers. In terms of the offensive coordinator spot, I, I, the name that's been floating around there, I saw Jonathan Jones of CBS put this out there. Their quarterbacks coach, Brian Johnson, who's I, been uh, I think they've covered. already hired him. Now, I, think, I already- don't, I think they have to go. Well, I, you know, I, I shouldn't say they've already hired him because I think mm-hmm. they have to go through the, the, you know, they have to go through the Rooney rule here, yep. too. So I think they have to do that. But I mean, I would say he is the probably favorite to get the job unless they find somebody through the interview process. But look, they're not going to change who they are. I mean, they have to sign. Everything's attached to the scheme, right? So we're going to sign Hertz back. We're going to keep running this six-pack attack. I mean, why wouldn't we? It was so effective. I mean, when yeah. you go back and watch the Super Bowl, I mean, you know, other than a couple, you know, like four plays that, you know, that, that cost them the game. The You know, he switches hands with the ball, fumbles for the touchdown. You know, he's got a third and 11. He can't convert. They, they kind of play, they throw a check down, and they tackled him before that. That kicked the field goal. But for the most part, I mean, they played as well as you could play. They had guys open on the field he didn't throw to. On the touchdown pass to, uh, on the touchdown pass to uh, AJ, AJ Brown, Brown yep. he's got he's got Smith running Devonte Smith running wide ass open on the other side. I mean, <laughs> you know the the seam route. He's got he's got the seam and the outside route wide. I mean, there were guys wide open on that field. So it wasn't like the scheme. They're going to change the scheme. Yeah, no, the Hertz conversation, though, is interesting because now this offseason, he's eligible for an extension. And I think the conversation is going to be, what should that look like? Does he need to get that big time extension that we've seen Mahomes get? I'm sure Joe Burrow is going to get a big extension. Justin Herbert is probably going to get a big extension as well this offseason. Adam Schefter of ESPN, he reported that Hertz's next contract will be north of $45 million per year. Is that where this thing is heading? As so, so oh, many I, of these young guys are I don't know up. how you can't. I mean, look, I, we said it on the pot. The best quarterback on that field that day was Hertz. That yeah. doesn't mean he's the best quarterback in the league. But that's coming a long way from a guy. From, and this is a statement from me who I didn't think Hertz could throw with any anticipation. Now, mm-hmm. I say that. I'm not sure he can because when you watch their offense, it's all – it's all half-field reads. It's all high-lows. He doesn't have to anticipate throws, and his accuracy has been improved. So they've done a great job of structuring the offense around his skill set. So they're going to have to pay him. Now, the problem is when you pay him, what happens if he gets hurt? I mean, what happens? You know, you're gonna be, it's, that's got to be a concern for you. 
Yeah. Do you get it? You have to probably think that Philly will be in the uh, QB two market. I would imagine this this off season because I know Gardner. I mean, if I was Philly, I would draft Anthony Richardson and the and and use him as the other. You know, kind of go into that double double quarterback offense. Then you really <laughs> screw teams up. Yeah, that's innovation right there. <laughs> I don't want Anthony Richardson in the NFC East, though. I'll go on the record saying that. What he can. Well, do. I mean, I don't know if he's a quarterback. That's my thing. I think he's he's a runner. He's a playmaker. He's kind of a slash. You remember we called Cordell, Cordell. Stewart slash, right? Yeah, I mean, I think he's more slash. He could never – I don't think he's ready to go play an NFL game based on what I saw at Florida down after down. But, man, he's got some skill, there's no doubt. Yeah, the, the, the highs on his tape, it's ridiculous. If you haven't watched him yet, go – The lows are ridiculous yeah, too, though, yeah, fam. Yeah. Now, you know, I mean, <laughs> you got to take – you got to take those – those. you got to get – you got. I got to get you to Pearl Vision Center sooner <laughs> than later. <laughs> I, what do you mean? I, I get tantalized by the by the skill set, man. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm always going to be biased to big time talents, and just because I look at them, I'm like, oh, oh I, my I, god, not, what can I, you? <laughs> I thought I thought Richardson had a chance to win the Heisman, yeah. but I was really disappointed in his his with Billy Napier at quarterback as coach. I was disappointed mm-hmm. in his progress. Yeah, no, we'll we'll have the Richardson conversation as well as the Stroud, the Young, the Levis. I know that's a guy that's been kind of kicked around and bandied about as as a potential top five, top ten pick uh, out of Kentucky. But back to the Eagles side of this, though, where do they need to get better? Uh, on in terms of their team, is it on offense, on defense, special teams? Clearly, uh, we we detailed that in the lead up to the game. But where do you think the Eagles need to get better? Because this is probably the best roster in football. Well, but look, they're going to lose. They're not going to sign Fletcher Cox back. They're not going to sign uh, Sue back, right? Robert Quinn's probably. I mean, unless they get him on a cheap deal, they got. They have five. They have seven of their defensive starters are free agent. I don't think Bradbury will be back. You know, I think they'll sign Gardner Johnson back. Their two starting linebackers are free agents. You know, and so you know they're going. They're going to have to spend if they spend forty five million on Hertz. You know, the starting right guard is is out. You know, he's not he's a free agent. I mean, these guys are gonna get paid. Just like they got they lost two coaches. These guys are gonna get paid. Bradbury's already said I'm not coming back on a cheap deal. Yeah, I got well. it. You know, you know, so you know, they're gonna get paid, and when you win, players get paid. Minshew's a free agent. So they're, they're going to have to spend some money. This team will look a lot differently, but I would say they're going to have to replenish the defensive linemen that they've lost. Hargrave, to me, was spectacular for them, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to have to get him back. You know, I mean, obviously they drafted Jordan Davis to play in there, but now they have Milton Williams and Jordan Davis as their two starting tackles as they go in the offseason. They need more depth there. Brandon Graham, you know, he, I doubt if he comes back, you know, Derek Barnett was on IR most of the year. They mm-hmm. still have Riddick back there. So, I mean, it's going to take some time. I mean, they're going to have to refix this defense a little bit, especially they're going to have to look, they're going to have to play some man to man. They have to get some corners that can cover in man to man that can that become more of a man team to zone than a zone team to man. Well, the good thing for the Eagles, they have an immense draft capital. They have the number 10 pick in this year's draft, courtesy of the New Orleans Saints. They have four picks inside the top 100. They pick 30th overall, their own first-round pick. Then they have their second-round pick and their third-round pick. They also have two they sevens. They for Oh, that's right. We only have 30 picks. Yeah. Somebody lost it. Yeah, I, right? forgot who, I forgot who it was that, that got their first-round pick stripped away. Uh, that's lost my mind. or lost. Uh, I forgot who that was. But, uh, yeah, there's only 31 first-round picks this season. Um, after I think somebody was uh was it was it Miami I think that lost theirs or yeah Miami lost their first yeah. round bec- yep Miami yeah because of the whole uh, tampering thing with uh, Sean Payton and all that God that feels like ten years ago when that happened uh, but I'm also concerned about this Eagles offensive line 
as well, Michael, because Jason Kelsey is also a free agent. He's 35 years old. Uh, could no, I don't he, think could he's he retire? I think, I, I think he's deciding whether he's going to retire okay. or keep playing. I think he keeps playing. You think he's going to I mean, keep Why not? He's still a good player. He played he at a high like level. He's still playing. I mean, the, the right guard, Samoa, he, he's, he's a free agent. He'll get paid. I mean, any offensive lineman that makes it to the market will get paid. Mm-hmm. Now, can't they have Cam Jurgens, who was they drafted to replace Kelsey eventually? Yep. So they have the tenth pick in the draft. I mean, they can improve that. I mean, I could see if they could find a defensive lineman. They, they got a lot of work to do this offseason. They have to overcome too this whole, you know, we got to get we got to get this taste out of our mouth. It's hard for them. I mean, look, that was a tough deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to have to get some of their young players. Like they drafted Dean from Georgia. He's going to have to go play linebacker. You're going to have to rely on some younger players. No, they most definitely are. Lane Johnson also because once you pay once you oh. pay the quarterback once you pay the quarterback you, you're paying the quarterback right. They're paying mm-hmm. AJ Brown, right? They're going to want to pay De- Devontae Smith at some point. They're paying they they're paying Lane Johnson. You know they're paying. I mean they got players they're paying. I mean it isn't like they got a cheap. They're, they're not like they got a they have the they had the right blend of a team that was young, but a team that had that had some experience. You know and they'll enter the off season with I, I you know like. Like Darius Slay's cap number is at twenty six million, and Oof. Lane Johnson's at f- twenty four million. I mean, so you know, they're, and they're gonna you know, they don't have a contract for you know they got to sign Kelsey's at eleven million. You know, Brendan Graham, I think they'll get you know they'll remove from him, and they'll keep moving on. But they're they're got a lot of guys that are gonna have to like there'll be lingering money left from players. Lane Johnson uh, underwent surgery today to repair his torn abductor that he had been playing through uh, the final month or so of the regular season and the playoffs. Uh, it's going to be a 10 to 12 week recovery period. So he should be good to go by a training camp. Uh, but I would guess that he probably takes it easy during the OTAs and mini camp portion of the off season. Cause that's, I mean, quite frankly, not as important for somebody who's as, as much experience as Lane Johnson. And we'll see him come July and August, but Michael, let's take another break. We'll get back to some other news and notes with some coordinator news from around the NFL. All right, we talked about the Philadelphia Eagles in the last segment and how they lost both of their coordinators, Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon. But interestingly enough, the defending now Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, they did not lose any of their coordinators. Steve Spagnuolo, uh, he's going to be their defensive coordinator for a long time probably. But on the offensive side, Eric Bieniemy is the interesting point. Now, today Bieniemy is going to interview with the Washington Commanders for their OC job but Bieniemy has had reportedly 12 different head coaching interviews in five years, but for some reason cannot get a job. And with an offensive coordinator of his resume there with two Super Bowls under his belt, why is it that Bieniemy cannot get that head job there uh, in the NFL? You know, I'm not in the interview, so I don't know. But obviously, somebody's not impressed in that conversation. And then I think what Andy Reid be in the presence that he is in Kansas City is who's running it. You know, Andy was very, very, very gracious in giving after the immediately after that game, giving Bienemy praise and adoration and all that. And yet, you know, I think in the interviews, I mean, you have twelve interviews, Femi. You're not being ignored. I mean, something's mm-hmm. going wrong. Something's up. I don't know what it is. But I, I can't imagine that 12 teams that sit there that says we don't want the guy. I mean, there's got to be a reason he maybe he's not presenting itself correctly. Maybe he doesn't answer. I don't know. I'm not in the room. But I do think he needs to break away from the Chiefs. I think he needs to go out there and say, hey, I can do this. 
I mean, Bill Walsh left Paul Brown because he didn't think Paul Brown was promoting him for a head coaching job. So he left and went down and went to the Chargers, ran their offense, and then went to Stanford. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, look, I, I suggested and got ridiculed on Twitter that he should have taken the Colorado job three years ago. You know, he deserves a head coaching job. Well, Dion deserved one too, but Dion went to to Jackson State, and now he's at Colorado. So I, I just think, to me, you know, I can't explain the why. You know, I don't understand it. I can only tell you that I think for him, he needs to show that he can do this on his own without Andy Reid cloud hanging over him. I mean, they almost did it last year, remember? I mean, they they were losing Kafka. They didn't want to lose Kafka because mm-hmm. he was a free agent. But So they had to try to figure out something there. Yeah, and Kafka went over to be the New York Giants offensive coordinator. Remember, but the, the, remember the, and then and then me ended up, you know, he was, there was talk he wasn't coming back last year. Uh-huh. Well, there's been talk about like Bienemy, and I don't know if he maybe he's just not the easiest person to work with. I mean, I don't know. I don't really buy into all that stuff because the Chiefs players seem to like him and they seem to win. So, I mean, if the guys that are winning Super Bowls like him, uh, I'll take their word for it. But the, the, the whole Andy Reid part of this is what confuses me because we saw Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy also in this same spot, and those guys got head coaching jobs. Doug Peterson got the Philadelphia Eagle job. Matt Nagy, who's now back with Kansas City as a quarterback's coach, he got the Chicago Bears job being the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs. Neither of those guys called plays, and for some reason that's now being held against Eric Bieniemy here, who's called plays and has been working with Mahomes and has won two Super Bowls. I mean, do you think the system's fair? I mean, no. I mean, look, Amaromo holds fucking Cincinnati to under 30 points every time he plays them. He loses out to Jonathan Gannon. You know, <laughs> Martindale gets one interview. You know, he plays with basically not a lot of players. He can't even get a sniff. You know, I mean, like, I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't explain it. I, I think the system's completely flawed. I don't know what goes into making, I mean, how did Carolina decide on Frank Wright based on him not fixing the offense in Indianapolis? Explain that to me. How does Jim Caldwell not get a head coaching job when he was the last coach to take Detroit to the playoffs? Yeah. Right? Like, I don't, I, don't, I can't, I mean, I can't explain it. I mean, it, it, it's, it's bizarre to me. It's bizarre. I mean, how does John, how do you watch Jonathan Gannon's defense? Like, you're not going to be as talented as the Eagles if you're on defense. And they gave up 37 to, 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 to Kansas City in 24 minutes. 24 minutes. Well, like Kansas City had the ball for 37 minutes. They gave it up in 24 minutes. Now, they gave up 30 in 24 minutes because of the turnover. But the reality of it is, is like, what did he do on that field to say, got to have that guy. I'm not letting him leave Phoenix. <laughs> like, I, don't, I can't explain it. Meanwhile, Amaromo... He said it wasn't his fault that that Zach Taylor punched the ball down the middle of the field. You know, it's not his fault that you know the kid thought he was tackling uh, tackling him out of bounds. I mean, that game goes to overtime. The Bengals are going to win that game. Mm-hmm. So, like, I can't. I mean, you're asking me to explain the unexplainable. I yeah. don't know. I no. mean, Sherman Lewis, an African American coach, running back coach on the 49ers, star player at Michigan State. Coach defense, coach stuff. He went on the same. He's the same. He went on about twenty interviews. Couldn't get a job. Couldn't get it. Couldn't get it. Finally, he just fizzled out. Hmm. 
and hopefully somebody out there gives Eric Bieniemy a chance. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be a good head coach. He might be the best head coach ever. He might be the worst head coach ever. But the fact that he's just not being given that opportunity, I think, is what's the problem here. And well, he's not winning the interview. I mean, yeah, he's not he's obviously not. he's not impressing people in the interview. Something's going on in the interview. I could see one if he didn't have interviews, Fem. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he's had twelve of them. Like he's been in front of twelve owners. He's been in front of 12 owners, and he comes with an Andy Reid recommendation. It's just the same recommendation that Nagy came with, and it's the same one that Kafka's coming with. It's the same one that Peterson came with. He's got that stamp of approval on him. And people, I mean, Ballard was with him in Kansas City. And he went with Steichen. I mean, so something's going on here. I, I, I mean... I, 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 you just can't say he's getting uh, – he, he's obviously not winning the interview. You don't go through 12 of these and say there's it's a flawed system. And people that have worked with them – I mean, John Dorsey worked with them when he got the Cleveland job. They hired Hugh Jackson. They kept Hugh Jackson. I mean, Ryan Poles came from Kansas City as well, the new general manager of the Chicago Bears, and he hired Matt Eberflus. Matt hired Eberflus. So like like I can't ex- you're asking me to explain the unexplainable. Mm-hmm. I'm not, and I don't know. I don't sit in the interview with Bienemy. I don't I don't I don't have a relationship with Bienemy. I don't talk to him. I mean, I see him on the sidelines. I've heard things through the league, but I don't know what's true and what's not true. Yeah, it, it's one of the, the the great questions, and it comes up this time every single year because the Kansas City Chiefs continue to have an elite offense, and obviously when you have Patrick Mahomes, that's going to be the case, but we've seen a lot of coaches who have offensive production as OCs go ahead and get those head coaching jobs. Apparently, the enemy, I don't but, know but if he go, say But say he takes the Washington job, yeah. right? He goes to Washington, and, he, and, and all of a sudden he puts great numbers up. I mean, how do you ignore that? And then if you ignore but, that, I mean, look, but then we're right back know. to square one, though, aren't we? Because then he's going to get the interview, and then, I mean, if they don't like how he's interviewing now, what, is he going to change who he is 12 months from now? Well, maybe maybe he should – look, when you go for an interview you don't get the job, you got to do you got to call the person up that interviewed and say, why didn't I get this job? You know, Martindale, why didn't I get the indie job? Well, the reason you get the indie job is because they wanted to keep Gus Bradley all along, and they didn't think you could coach the quarterback or find the quarterback. Okay, that's I got that. I don't agree, but I got it, right? That's why I didn't get that job, right? If you're Lou Amaromo, they kept, they chose Gannon over you. Why? What did I do wrong in the interview? Did I, you know, then as you brush up on that, you study, it's a, you got to do what you got to figure out what I can work on. How do I get better at it? Mm. Yeah, it's. I mean, for the Kansas City Chiefs, apparently it's working out for them. Uh, they're going to keep him as their offensive coordinator. Or I'm sorry, they're not going to keep it. We'll, we'll see if they keep him because it sounds like he's going to uh, interview for the Washington. I, I don't think he job. stays there. I think yeah, he's going to take go? the Washington job. Yeah. Well, I'm told he's going to. I mean, if he gets offered the Washington job, he's going to take it. He he doesn't want to stay there. He he knows he needs to go, and I think Andy knows he needs to go. I mean, I I I've Andy has done. Andy hasn't even done it. He's done it overtly. He's out there in the open saying he's got to go. Yeah. And Andy's been campaigning for him. He's been like his biggest cheerleader saying, hey, like this guy has done a great job. He said, quote, I'm hoping Bienemy has an opportunity to go somewhere and do his thing where he can run the show and be Eric Bienemy is what he said on Monday. So uh, we'll see what happens if he takes that Washington job or if he services up somewhere else. Uh, we did see, Michael, this is a report that came out yesterday that Sean Payton has been in talks with Rex Ryan about the defensive coordinator job for the Denver Broncos. Ryan has now emerged 
as a leading candidate. That was the the wording on the tweet that I saw. I believe it was from Ian Rappaport or Shafter or Pelissero, one of those guys, one of the insiders. But uh, Rex Ryan hasn't been a, a, a coach in the NFL since 2016. He's been uh, with our buddy over on the set of Get Up doing TV at ESPN. Uh, this is an interesting uh, – Rex Ryan's 60 years old, hasn't been in the league for a while, potentially now joining Sean Payton in the Rocky Mountains. I mean, look, if I'm – I mean, I don't know what Rob – what Rex is doing. Does he like it? Does he not like it? You know, I mean, does he like television? But, you know, to me, it always – if you have an opportunity to go with an established coach, an established program, why not? I mean, if, that, if you still have that burning desire to do it. You know, he lives in Nashville, you know, so he's kind of has roots there. He goes in, does the show. I mean, one thing I'd say this, when you leave the league and you don't study the draft, which he clearly hasn't, <laughs> every year you don't study the draft, you get further behind. <laughs> That's where coaches lose touch. They lose touch with the draft, the players, understanding the players, who's out there, who's available, who's not. It's not an ES, it's not a, it's not a personnel thing. It's really about understanding it. So, I mean, look, if he does it now, I mean, the guy who runs Seth Markman, who runs ESPN, I mean, I don't know where – he only wants to hire ex-Jet coaches. So I don't know where – I mean, when you look at the staff, you got Tannenbaum there, you got Rex. I mean, don't put, any guy who says he's a Jet coach, Herm Edwards. you got a chance to get a job. Herm, you got a chance to get a job. I mean, you, Herm can come back from his Arizona stint and, and states and boom, right away, he's right in there. I was looking for Adam Gase. Where, where's our guy Gase at? Gase could be on the list. I mean, Markham, that's all he cares about. He cares about Jet coaches. That's all he wants. That's the program is we should put the jet banner behind it. <laughs> it is fascinating that that's and funny that, that they've that's hired a, a fact. Bunch of jets guys. That's a fact. He, Markin loves the Jets. It's just, he's a he's a huge fan of the Jets. Oh, <laughs> I guess if, if it doesn't work out for uh for for Robert Sala or, or Ted, it has or nothing Todd to Bowles. do with ability. <laughs> I mean, nothing to do. I mean, it's nothing. Just you're a Jet. Get in here. Come on. Let's talk about football. J-E-T-S, baby. Let's do it. You said that you don't think that Rex Ryan's studying the draft. What would lead you to that conclusion? <laughs> I mean, listen to him. I don't, I don't I watch mean, that. Pro- I don't watch that programming. I don't either. I don't either. I, do, I, I don't. I really don't. I think to me it just distorts your, you know, I, I, I see clips on Twitter on certain yeah. guys, you know, but. I mean, I don't really. I, I to me, I don't need to listen to it. Like, I don't really need to. I'm going to make up my own mind. I'm not being arrogant. I'm just saying, like, why would I? I don't want to be influenced by something somebody says. Yeah, no, I think mean, that's a good way to go about it, and that's kind of why I try to plug that out as well. Um, <laughs> you, you don't want any of that seeping into your brain about how they feel about the game. But Rex Ryan, he might be the guy that's going into coaching. We thought that our boy on the set might go into coaching as well. Adam Schefter tweeted yesterday, and we got tagged in this quite a bit. I'm not sure if you saw on your Twitter mentions, Michael. Thank you to everybody that tagged us in this. You're listening to the pod. We love the enthusiasm for the pod. But uh, Indianapolis and Carolina discussed prominent offensive coaching roles with ESPN analyst Dan Orlovsky before he opted to remain at the network there. We could have seen seen our boy up in the booth uh, calling plays or something, yeah? Yeah, I, I mean, look, Dan's very Christian-based. That fit the Carolina. I mean, that that Carolina's mantra. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just mm-hmm. saying that's kind of, you know, in there. And, look, Indianapolis, I'm sure that if Saturday would have gotten the job, he would have probably been on the staff. But Saturday was on a lake saying goodbye to us. He was Saturday in the park on the lake. He'll be bowing back there, too, to ESPN, the worldwide leader. Look, 
Dan and I watch different games. He's certainly entitled to his opinion. Mm-hmm. When the when the game starts, he and I are seeing completely different games. There's really no sense in arguing with it. Like the more I the more I listen to it, the more I realize we we just see the game way differently mm-hmm. from a historical perspective, from a you know from a from a con- perspective today, yeah. from his wanting to be liked on Twitter. So he changes all what he says and this outlandish stuff that, that which he's entitled to, yeah, you know, every, I just have come to the point. I just come to the point. We just watch it. I'm watching a different game. There's and there's nothing you can do about it. I'm not saying my game's right. and His game's wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying, I, I, why would I engage in that? Differences of opinion is healthy in the discourse. You know, we, we need different ideas out there. Uh, but I did find that interesting, though, that he was uh, uh, discussed for a prominent uh, offensive coaching role is how it was described by Adam Schefter on that tweet. You mentioned uh, the Parks. Well, he's going to be on that Carolina coaching staff as the new passing game coordinator. Parks Frazier yeah. has been hired by the Panthers, obviously having the relationship with Frank Reich in Indianapolis. He was then promoted to that OC role when Jeff Saturday took over as the head coach. But uh, the Parks is moving on up, man. Hey, good for him. I mean, look, he was in a tough spot. I mean, that poor Very guy. Very tough spot. No help. <laughs> you know, I mean, he learned a lot. He should really just spend a whole month decompressing and writing everything down because that's going to benefit his career moving forward because he was not equipped for the job, nor did he ask for the job, but now he's he had it and he kind of got through it. Not I'm saying it was good, but I mean, if I were him, I would study those tapes and study my week preparation and I would basically come out with a book with all the things that you could have learned from that. Mm-hmm. Well, he's going to go on that Carolina coaching staff. I believe Jim Caldwell, who we discussed in this podcast, is going to be a senior offensive analyst. So there's guys that he can learn from on that coaching staff in Carolina as they continue to assemble what looks to be a pretty competent coaching staff there in the NFC South. All right, let's take our final break. We'll get to some key offseason dates on the other side as we wrap up the GM shuffle. All right, before we get out of here, let's just outline, Michael, kind of the offseason dates that we should be aware of because everyone says, all right, the NFL offseason is here. Well, when you take a look at the calendar, I'm not sure if we're getting an offseason in the NFL. Now that that Super Bowl's There's been no pushed back. There's no offseason. Oh, the offseason is no July. Whenever- Rome is burning. <laughs> Rome is burning. There's no offseason. When, when everybody breaks out of uh, minicamp, that's when the offseason begins. And then it's about three, four weeks, and everybody reports to training camp, and we're right back starting this thing. But uh, coming up next Tuesday, teams can begin to designate franchise or transition tag players. That'll be next Tuesday. The scouting combine in Indianapolis, that begins on the 28th goes until March 6th chance for all the kind of the power brokers around the league to start putting the frameworks around these deals here and from a front office standpoint what is the job that's done now between the scouting combine which begins later on this month well I mean first of all the pro the coaches get involved with the pro free agency board they got to grade Mm -hmm. all the pro players you know the number one thing you have to do as an executive is you have to come up with your team needs list so you have to have we must have this we need that, and we would want this. So it's must, need, want. And for you to get back on the field, Al Davis always wanted to be able to enter the offseason at least knowing he had a team that he could put out on the field. He had, you know, Not that it was going to be a good team, but he could put a team on the field. So you want to try to do that. Now you got to layer the cap into that. And so then you should start going through, grading your board, and then working on the draft simultaneously because the draft is a separate entity. You don't want the draft to then come in and influence, well, I'm not going to draft this guy, you know, like what happened to, to Kyle Shanahan. I'm going to take Solomon Thomas because I'm going to trade for Kirk Cousins. Well, you didn't get Kirk Cousins and you lost out on Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. 
You have to almost have to have separate departments. So this is, again, this is trying to operate three things at the same time, which is essentially what all organizations have to do to create vertical alignment, is you've got to have all three things working at the same time, but working in unison. And that's what starts. And then somebody's got to bring it all together. Somebody's got to listen to it all, kind of say, okay, we like this guy, how it relates to our scheme, how does he fit, what can he do for us, and we'll go from there. Later on in March, March 7th will be the deadline for teams to designate franchise or transition tag players. Four o'clock Eastern will be the deadline for that day. Obviously, Lamar Jackson of the Ravens were expecting the exclusive tag. Uh, Tony Pollard of the Cowboys, maybe he's a franchise tag candidate. Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith, perhaps if they can't find a deal. Or the Giants, maybe with Daniel Jones, if they can't work something out between now and March 7th. So that is the deadline for the franchise or transition tag. Also, that same day, college pro days can begin as draft season continues after the scouting combine less than a month from today march 13th legal tampering period begins where teams can agree to terms with unrestricted free agents the period ends on march 15th 3 59 p.m eastern time because at four o'clock eastern on march 15th will be the start of the new league year free agency officially begins all those agreed upon contracts become official trades can become official as well and also every team must be under the salary cap for the 2023 season so this thing is less than a month away we're talking about teams making moves quarterbacks changing places all sorts of acquisitions coming up here this is going to be a lot of fun over this next month yeah, no, it's going to be, and it's going to be interesting to see the allocation of money, how teams treat it. You know, what do they do? Do they sign this player? I think we'll see. I think the running back tag is cheap, so we'll see running backs get tagged. I think the conversation we're not having that's kind of snuck underneath the radar a mm-hmm. little bit is this: the Ravens not telling people who their quarterback was going to be that interviewed them, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, to me, that's like, who's going to be the Ravens quarterback? Are they going to listen to offers on Lamar because they can't sign him? Where are they going? I think that's kind of interesting to go from there. Well, so you're saying that when they hired Todd Monken out of Georgia, they didn't really assure him that Lamar Jackson was going to be his quarterback. Yeah, that's the reports. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. I think, Mm -hmm. to me, knowing the Ravens and understanding how they operate, I'm not saying Lamar won't be back, but they're too analytical to not value and measure what they think they might get or what it costs. I mean, and mm-hmm. why shouldn't you? That should be the right approach. Like, there's, you should take that look. It only reinforces if you want to bring them back. Yeah. No, it's, it's that Ravens-Lamar thing. Will they keep him? Do they tag him? Does he want to sign the tag? Or does he hold out to try to get a bigger contract until the July 15th deadline? Like, there's going to be so many layers with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. March 26th will be the annual league meeting down in Phoenix at the Biltmore. Uh, I don't think we'll be attending that one, but uh, I'm sure we'll hear some stuff out of there. And then April 3rd. Oh, oh you see, you want to say something about the. Well, I'm hopefully by that time we'll be in the mob museum over there in Las Vegas. We could do a we could do a podcast a from there around all the mobsters. That'd be awesome. That would be a lot of fun. Stay tuned for that. Uh, April third, teams with new head coaches may begin offseason workout programs. In April seventeenth, teams with their returning head coaches can begin offseason workout programs. And then April twenty seventh to the 29th, finally, the NFL draft in Kansas City, and then we'll get the selection meeting, and then we're off into. Uh, it's rookie camp and mini camp, and and then here we go again. So a lot to look forward to over spring. Just because it's cold outside, there's no football this weekend. Well, there's no NFL football this weekend. We've got the XFL this weekend. I'm not sure if you're going to be watching that, Michael. I'm going to watch. I'll give it a shot. Do I'll little, see it. Do a little scouting. 
<laughs> yeah, they go. We'll see if our girl Stormy's doing good on yeah. the sideline. We'll see how she's holding up. Yeah, she'll be uh, doing the Seattle Sea Dragons and DC Defenders game in our nation's capital. So uh, I'll tune in there to there see my go. my hometown. The weather's going to be great. It'll be warm too. Yeah, there we go. Absolutely love that. And also for the pod, because uh, people have been asking, wondering, saying, all right, hey, what's going on with the podcast now that the offseason has started? Uh, the offseason means we ain't going anywhere. The pod is going to continue. We're going to keep shuffling. And we're going to keep shuffling Mondays and Thursdays. That will be the goal to do Mondays and Thursdays. So we're not going to go to one a week. We'll go to two a week still here on the podcast throughout the offseason. So you ain't getting rid of us just because football has go. come to a conclusion here. So, and all I could tell you is, you're on it. You're on the count, Femi. Either you start turning on the Sopranos, or your ass ain't going to be here in six months. I'm telling you that. You might have a shorter reign than Jonathan Gannon. Yeah, we're we're, we're going to get the Sopranos done. Although the two podcasts yeah. might cut into the time here because I got to do that extra no, prep time. No excuses. I don't want to hear it. One wrong, all wrong. Either you get your ass moving, or people are going to go like you got to. You know, like you come heavy or don't come at all here. The pitchforks will be out if I don't finish the Sopranos. So we're going to get that going. Probably start, uh, we're going to restart that this weekend, I think. Uh, with the Sopranos. And we'll, I'm we'll, just telling yeah, you. We're, we're, I'm gonna re- By the time we get to that mob museum in Vegas when I'm out there for the month and a half, you better make sure you got it down. <laughs> I watched season one last off season, and then football started yeah, to come around. You keep patting yourself on so, the back for that. That's like not an achievement. You got six seasons to watch. Like, let's get going here. We're That's gonna, like saying the Eagles had the lead seven to nothing. Yeah, it's great. You know how that game turned out. <laughs> we won the first quarter. Don't ask me about the remaining three. Uh, but we will get that done over the course of the offseason. Thank you, as always, all the listeners and the viewers. We appreciate the enthusiasm. Subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps us out on the podcast charts. Thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman, as well with us on the ones and twos. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to VEASAN. Thank you to you, Michael. I'll talk to you on Monday, buddy. We're, 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 I we're will keep, see you on Monday, my man. We're going to keep this thing rolling, and we'll talk to you guys then.